Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And I am super excited. I know I say this every week, but I'm super excited today about our guest. So I'd like to welcome Earl Young, Olympic gold medal winner and record holder and founder of Earl Young's Team Foundation, an organization bringing awareness to the importance of the bone marrow registry. And we're going to get into that. Previous gold medal winner Earl also defeated blood cancer at 70 years old. His goal is to defeat blood cancer through donor awareness. And it starts with getting more people to understand the importance of simply getting their cheeks swabbed followed by providing them the opportunity to do it. So, Earl, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Casey. That was a great uh, great summary of what it's all about, too. You know what? Can I just tell you something? And I hope everybody sees this gold medal here that we have if you're watching us today and not just listening. But if you're just listening, I encourage you to go over to YouTube and check this out because we have an official Olympic gold medal on our desk today. It's pretty impressive. I have never seen one before. Well, they're, they uh, they are rare. If that doesn't sound too egotistical, <laughs> but uh, as I've said before, uh, that might bother me to say it. Nineteen at uh, eighty-two, uh, why not say it? Uh, I did win that in nineteen sixty. I ran the uh, open four hundred. I got sixth in the four hundred, and uh, we won the four by four hundred. That's what the gold is in. That is, a pre- and that's a relay race, right? Yes. For those of us that aren't familiar. Yes, each, each runner runs 400 meters one time around. <sighs> Just as fast as you can go. So, okay. So how fast did you run it? <laughs> uh, that leg was 45.5. Like 45 seconds? Uh-huh. Holy moly. Yeah. Surprises me too. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, for any of you runners out there, I mean, just to run around the track one time. One time. It's a quarter of a mile, right? Yep. In 45 seconds. Right. So could you do a mile <laughs> in like four minutes? Back then? Yeah. Oh, no. No? No, no, no. That's a different race, different body, different uh, different training. No, I was a sprinter. I ran the 100, the 200, and the 400. Wow. And uh, that was my limit. You know, I am not a runner. Never have been. Like in the off season, I did basketball and all that kind of stuff, but in off season, they would be like, you know, it'd be track and off season, right? right? And they were like, you need to go run around the track. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I just, I don't know what it is. I'm just not built to run. Well, it's everybody gets their gift. I'm still looking for mine. Yeah, come on, come on. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Mine is a flap in the jaw. (laughs) I'm really good at that. So your entire story is amazing. So Tell us a little bit about your journey, starting with the Olympics and and to where you are today. Well, of course, the the Olympics, uh, many times when I speak, I talk about uh, talking about the two most defining times of my life. And one of them, of course, would be the Olympics. And uh, 
then uh, the business world after that. But then in uh, 19, excuse me, 19, boy, I gotta catch up with the 20th century, 21st <laughs> century. Then in uh, 2011, I was having a uh, uh, cough and sniffle I couldn't, couldn't shake off. So I went to see my, uh, uh, my physician and I'm sitting across from him and he's looking at his file and he said, uh, Earl, he said, you haven't been in in, uh, in four years. I said, well, doc, I'm doing great, feel good, except for this sniffle and cough. And now how old were you at this time? I was 71. Okay. And he said, uh, he said, well, you need to be coming in every year and let me have a physical event. And so I said, great. He said, have you got time today? I said, sure. Uh, so I went back and did an EKG and, uh, you know, different tests and all, and uh, a blood test, of course. And I'm walking down the hall, getting ready to leave, and he's walking up the hall, and he said, oh, I said, I thought you'd already left. I'm glad that, that you're still here, come to my office. And I sat down across from him, and he said, uh, Earl, he said, you don't feel bad? I said, no, just a sniffle and cough. And of course, I figure he's preparing me for shots on top of some pills. But no, he said, well, he said, you should. He said, your white factory shut down. Mm. And he said, uh, uh, of course, that's your immune system. He said, your white factory shut down and you, you're just uh, very low on whites. And I said, what are we gonna do again? Thinking shots, pills. He said, uh, I'd called across the street and made an appointment for you, uh, not realizing you were still here. Uh, at Texas Oncology, I want you to take this file. I'll call again, and a doctor will meet you at the front door. Wow. Actually, he said an oncologist will meet you at the front door. Well, so I go across the street, and sure enough, an oncologist meets me at the door. I hand him that file. He looks at it, and he says, uh, Mr. Young, this is not good. We need to do a bone marrow biopsy. Now, Casey, starting right there, I had no idea of my future. I, I barely knew how to spell leukemia. Uh, I go back in a... In a in a room where they stick a needle in your hip, take some fluid Ooh. out. Yeah, I know, it sounds terrible. <laughs> you get used to needles after a period of time. <laughs> Little leg needles. But I wait for the waiting room, and a while his assistant comes and gets me, and I'm sitting across from the second white coat that day. And this time he said, uh, right when I sat down, he said, Mr. Young, he said, I have some bad news. Mm. Now, I don't know how many times you've heard that in your life. Very few, I would imagine. I don't recall another time, and certainly not one that compares with this uh, statement, but he said, I have some bad news. He said, you have acute myeloid leukemia with a uh, FLT3 mutation. Uh, he said, do you know anything about blood cancers? I said, again, very little. He said, well, let me explain to you a bit. And there's 70 some odd blood cancers, and of course he didn't go through all that because he didn't have to. He told me a bit about AML, acute myeloid leukemia, and then closed that with, and you have the worst. Mm -hmm. Now, in my mind, I saw Pac-Man, you know, the bad Pac-Man eating up the good Pac-Man. And in fact, that's what's going on when you have that. Uh, he said, you have the worst, and I was to learn what it was to try to get through the worst. He said, now, that's when I said, brother, how long do I have? He said, maybe three months. You know, a day that starts like any other day, it's yeah. an average day, except you think you're gonna take some pills and shots for a cold maybe. But uh, by three o'clock in the afternoon, an oncologist tells you you've got three months to live. He said, that's if we don't do anything. There is a possible cure, a bone marrow transplant. 
And he said, now, uh, we, can, we can go that route or, or meds and chemo and see how long. I said, no, no, do the cure. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'll take the cure, thank you. And he said, all right, do you want to check into Med City or Baylor? I said, Med City, it was closer by. He said, okay, uh, go over there right now. I, uh, I'll call ahead and check you in. And that's when I said, well, I need a little time to go and explain to my family right. what I've just learned about my future. So I did that, checked in that night, started chemo the next day, and pretty much slept on the uh, 11th floor of Med City for four months, uh, mm -hmm. taking four rounds of chemo. And of course, they put you up there on the 11th floor because it's sealed off from the world. And once you have chemo, as you know, you have no immune system. So, uh, Believe it or not, a lot of people don't know that. Well, that's a fact. Once yeah. you've had the chemo, you have no immune system. What, wow. they're, what they're trying to do is destroy what's killing you, which is your immune system. Why? I've never heard a good answer. That's just one of the questions of life, I suppose. Uh, what I, moving on to, to better news, uh, what I didn't uh, realize and was to learn that in Offenburg, Germany, a lady named Christine Wagg, just two weeks before this event in my life, just two weeks before, had in fact become a uh, bone marrow donor. She registered, which is nothing more than swabbing your cheek. They check that DNA, put that DNA on file. And uh, uh, I was to, to learn, given the great punchline, that uh, she was the only match out of 22 million for my need. So at the end of four months, <clears throat> on January 21st, 2012, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> she went to her hospital there in, uh, in Frankfurt and they put a needle in her arm here. Her blood flowed into a centrifuge, spinning out the stem cells. Blood went back in here. None of us like talking about needles and blood, but the fact is it's a very simple process like a transfusion. Does they, it hurt? Uh, no more than a transfusion for the needle stick. Depends on quality of nurse, actually. <laughs> so, but, I mean, like when it's coming out, it doesn't no, hurt, no, right? No, no, it's no. just like giving no, blood. You're just laying there in the bed just like giving blood. Exactly. Okay, okay. So they took that bag of uh, stem cells uh, immediately to the Frankfurt Airport, flew to DFW, came up to my room. It was almost midnight on the 21st of January, 2012. And so this was how long after you were diagnosed? Uh, this would have been four months. So four months, okay. Four months. They plugged me in here and her blood, her stem cells actually started flowing into my body. Remember, I had no immune system. Right. So it was her immune system coming into me to take over this body. And uh, an interesting point of that is that uh, my body is no longer B, B plus positive blood, it is O female, which is a good thing because it means my body has accepted her blood, her immune system, and now she takes care of my body. Do you see, any, your co do you see any metaphor here? I do. We always talk about women taking over our lives, guys. Well, hey, here's the McCoy <laughs> right here. Uh, Christine behind runs, every great man yes yes <laughs> and ran in them you know yeah. right but uh, yeah Christine uh, saved my life like I said she was the only one that matched me out of 22 million so it uh, it takes you to a to a lot of deep thinking in your life too mm -hmm. it, uh, it it changes things in a lot of ways and 
So I guess uh, the recovery is not easy. The recovery was quite difficult. It was two years before I felt like I could really get back on my feet. Very difficult. And once that happened, I had to think of, well, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? It looks like you're going to live. What are you, what are you going to do? At that time, my business was in Africa, as it had been for about a quarter of a century, and you can't be running back and forth uh, to, to uh, foreign countries, and especially uh, folks in Africa deal with uh, parasites that, mm. that we, our bodies don't deal with over here. So with a compromised immune system, that's not a, not a good choice of, of work. So I began to think about these facts, and these are very important facts. The most important thing about our conversation today. Only 2% of the people in the United States between age 18 and 55 are registered to be donors like Christine. 2%. And there's such a low rate of genetic matching. It's terrible. It's terrible. And because of that, that contributes to only four out of 10 people in a situation like I was finding a match and having further life like I've been given. Six of those people die only because people don't know what we're talking about right now. You can have a person in the hospital with the same thing I had and their, their matches are out there walking the street totally unaware of how easy mm -hmm. it would be to save that person's life. They have no clue that that's an opportunity for them. Now that's, you know, in the 21st century, that's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? But the fact of it is, I call it kind of an, an orphan malady. It doesn't get the big time attention. If this, if this malady had the attention that St. Jude is able to give give their uh, listeners and their uh, and give the country, we could change these figures big time. So, and I want to ask you too, because, and I think, because of course this is a career podcast and it's kind of a different subject than we normally talk about, but I think the point I want to make is to companies that are hiring people, why this could be an important initiative within that company. Oh, so what actions have you taken <clears throat> to raise awareness? and? You, you said it's just a swab, right? Right. So do, can we do a swab now? Well, what I decided uh, six years ago was that I would begin to focus on universities. And so I focused on mine first, Abilene Christian. Uh, and faith-based universities offer an opportunity that uh, uh, is not in other universities and as they have a chapel. Mm. And because of uh, that gold we just showed a while mm. ago, and the fact that I've overcome and, and uh, made it through leukemia, I have an interesting enough story that I can usually get on a chapel program. Mm. And so we tie a bone marrow drive, we call it bone marrow, it's actually stem cell nowadays, but a stem cell drive with, uh, with that chapel program. We have uh, registered over 22,000. Uh, we've had 96 lives be given a second chance out of that. That's amazing. And the numbers came. Like I said, if we could get the word out, if everyone in the country was listening to this today and said, hey, I want to swab, boom, we could register them and we could change those figures dramatically. So, and, and I guess going back to companies, I mean, <clears throat> honestly, I, so, and I think I shared this with you in our pre-interview conversation right. that my father-in-law was actually diagnosed with the same right. disorder. And um, ended up, of course, he would say to the day he died that I died with cancer, not because of cancer, right. but 
you know, yeah. begs a question because I don't think he had the same type of treatment that you had. And, you know, and so many people, like, I had no idea, even when my father-in-law was going through this, what it was. Right. And so how do we spread this message to the company so that the companies can spread this initiative to their employees? And, you know, and why would people be afraid to take the swab? Oh, uh, lack of education. Yeah. I mean, it's a simple thing to do. It's, uh, I, I would not involve the word pain at any level of the, uh, of the uh, procedure. It's uh, maybe discomfort, takes a little time. Uh, we now this year, this we've just started a new year and uh, it will be our biggest year ever, our biggest 12 months. I brought in two, uh, uh, two helpers that uh, really know what, uh, know the business. They've been around it for a long time. Uh, we're financed to get out and get this done. It's a matter of what you're bringing up, people opening their doors. Why would a CEO not say, hey guys, we need to look at this. Our, our team needs to consider saving people a lot. This, this is, you know, the bottom line, Casey, we're talking life and death, yeah. and we have a way to keep people alive. From, from there, it should be very simple. Hey, let me do that. You would, would you think. Like, would you like to save a life? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a nice thing to have on your resume, isn't it? Absolutely. In your personal so, resume. So what percentage of the population is, and I think you shared this with me, is actually on the registry? 2%. Is it that high? 2% between 18 and 55. Okay. So you're looking for, 18 comes about, I'm sure, because of legal age. Sure. You, you could take a 16, 17-year-old do the same thing. But 18 to 55, and... The body does, none of us like to admit it, but uh, we're all aware your cells do break down as you get older. Mm -hmm. So science has determined that 55 is pretty much the top side of what they want to take. For the stem cells. Yeah, and, uh, and the recovery side too, uh, when you think about people who, are, who you're going to give a transplant to, mm -hmm. they have to be strong enough to, to battle a recovery. The recovery can be really vicious uh, people live the rest of their life, they recover, but live with things like GVHD, which is guest versus host, which is nothing more than the donor's cells continuing to fight with the recipient's cells. Now, uh, as far as my body is concerned, I think we've I basically uh, allowed Christine to take over totally. <laughs> not, not that you have a choice, but uh, I, I don't have the GVHD that some folks have to suffer with. And that's so interesting that your body has absorbed so much of her that, I mean, your blood type changed. Oh, yeah. You bet. That is so interesting. I am O female. That is crazy. That might have bothered me one time in life. <laughs> I'm very, very proud of it today. No, that, that's so interesting. So you were telling me about a young man. Um, let me see if I get this right. That was out of college, and I believe he didn't get swabbed but he ended up benefiting from somebody in the organization or in the college that did get swabs a little bit later, a young college guy. I'm trying to recall. Maybe one of those stories you just recall off the top of your head and Well, there's, pull out. there's, there's, there's a great number of them. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, I do know one story that I always carry in my head. I, I don't remember this, the, all the fine points of it, but there was a, an athlete, I, I'm going to say Northwestern, but that may, may be wrong. Mm -hmm. Anyway, an athlete at college age, uh, 
It was the last uh, football game of his career. He was a senior. It was a big game. It was a championship game. And he got news that he was a donor. <gasps> he could save a life. And it was a choice between stopping things right there and going into collection and volunteering to give his cells to this person to keep them alive or play that final game. And he made what I call the right decision. We... Uh, we, we have some stories like that. There are some heroic stories so out there. He, he didn't play the final game, right? He didn't play okay. the final game. <laughs> I just want to be clear. <laughs> and the recipient lived. Wow. So, so it's a good good story all the way around. No kidding. But he was willing to sacrifice something, which I'm not talking about people sacrificing now. I'm talking a very simple simple thing. Just swab. We'll be happy to get the, the kit to you. You just swab, and that goes on file, and maybe one day you are what I would consider lucky enough to get a call that says, hey, looks like you can save a life. And it could be the life of, a, uh, of an infant. Mm. It could be an old guy like I was, 71 years old. But uh, uh, we're talking life and death. This is, this is a serious thing to think about, yeah. especially with as little effort on your part as, as it takes. Now, what's the chance of me being called to be a, a donor? Okay, if you're between 18 and 30, you have a 5% chance. Oh, wow, that's not much. 5%. But if you stretch it on out 18 to 55, it drops to 1%. So another reason that we focus heavily on the college age is that's where most of the action is going to be. We don't, uh, it's not an economic thing. We don't make any money doing this. Sure. It is where do we find the best supply of donors to keep these people alive who can live if they find the donor. And there are donors out there for everybody. There's nobody walking around that has no donors. And we live in a society today that uh, creates a, a challenge. Again, we have more interracial marriages. Well, that changes up the DNA even yep. more. Used to be a, a, a German man and German woman. Well, now it could be a a German man and a, a, a woman from Somalia. You, you don't. And so know that them. affects the markers. Oh, sure, it affects the. Okay. Yeah, and you're trying to get as close to a match as you can. Now, I don't, uh, I don't understand the scientific end of that, but I know sure. that that can be found. It doesn't have to be just those two countries coming together or those two backgrounds. But uh, yeah, we need everybody. Well, I tell you what, I'm definitely feeling inspired right now, and. I'm going to be very transparent with you. Good. I've already told you I'm afraid of needles. Sure. A lot of so people are. So <laughs> I am not a big blood donor um, just because I am so afraid of needles. Sure. And But I think I'm going to suck it up, buttercup, and I'm going to go get swabbed. Well, first and thing if you I can save do, a life. Sure. Swab first. But we're yeah. about the needle later. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe they can put me to sleep for it. Sure. They, they, <laughs> they can get it done. They can get it done. I bet they can. So, Okay. So what's next for the Earl Young Team Foundation? What are y'all doing next? Casey, this is, uh, seriously, when I said uh, this will be our, our biggest year, we've got, some, we've got some doors opening that can help us get the word out in a bigger way. That's what this takes. I like to use St. Jude as mm -hmm. an example because they're a great example. All the good they do is because they are able to stay out there in the public's eye and the public's well aware of, of the good that yeah. St. Jude does. Well, again, if, if this malady had that kind of attention where people would know. See, most people that watch this, most people that hear this, this is the first time they ever heard it. Exactly. They have no clue. They say, wow, that guy Earl, I, 
I couldn't believe it. I never heard that before. Well, that's what we've got to get over. And then here's the blessing of working in the universities. That 18 year old crowd comes in every year. So as we drop off on the high side of the age, we replace it with the fresh side. So it goes on and on. And there's, uh, you know, we pray that someday this is cured with a, with a shot, but there's nothing like that now. So we need to use this procedure to give people life. This works. So that's why we focus on that, uh, that college age, because they're going to come in and swab at 18 and be around for decades, be yeah. available to save a life. And so those swabs, once you swab, they're good for, you don't have to ever swab again? No, no, you're in the file. And That's pretty impressive. Yeah, you've got uh, decades there that you could get a call. Wow. Well, I, I'm definitely inspired because I want to do my part to help the people around me today, but also to help humanity. And if I have the opportunity to save someone's life that I don't even know. Isn't that something? It's something. You know, I, I, uh, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and that always reminds me of the story of the Good Samaritan. Mm. That guy had no clue who that was laying beside the road. He just knew he was supposed to save another person's life. Yeah. That's the same thing we're talking about. We're talking about, hey, you don't know a person out there whose life you could save. And of course, all lives are of value. And the person you save might be of greater value. Might be the person that cures cancer. Who That's knows? That's right. But the bottom line is your fellow man, your fellow woman needs help. And here you are to do it. So given all your wisdom, all your experiences. <laughs> Thank you. What is the one piece of advice that you would give to those college students that you so want to, you know, get to, to recognize what's one thing you could help do to help them collapse that timeline to success? Uh, while you're out there planning your future and planning your successes, uh, you will have a much more successful life if you will pay close attention to helping your fellow man. Don't have, don't, don't have your life be void of caring for others. Mm. It's the greatest, it's the greatest thing you do on earth. And it's not for yourself. Quit, quit, you know, it's wonderful to think about yourself and how you're gonna live your life and the accomplishments you're gonna have. Hey, I dreamed to make the Olympic team and I did it and I'm proud of it and it's wonderful. But let me tell you what, the work I'm doing right now is so much above anything I've ever done. We actually get to tell a story and get to be involved in saving people's lives. A daddy who gets to go on and enjoy his children, a mama who gets to see her, her baby grow up a baby who gets to one day go to college and turn 18 and get to sign up to be a donor. All the lives, all the stories, uh, the stories are awesome. Isn't that the most interesting thing in life, the stories? and uh, You just don't know what good you might do in your life by doing the simple act of swabbing and registering to be a donor. And you may never, you may never be a donor, but you may 
encourage someone else to be a donor who is called to be. I'm going to go grab a friend right now. <laughs> We're going to donate oh, together. <laughs> that, would, that would be the biggest thing. If everybody if it would just catch hold, if it would just catch hold. And then you'll hear the stories. We'll report the stories back. Folks like you will report the stories back. And you'll see the good that comes from something like this. But even, but even if you're never chosen to be a, a, a lifesaver, uh, my Christine, the first thing that Christine, when we first met. I was going to ask you about that. Well, that was, <laughs> that was really something. I was speaking at a, a, an awards breakfast, and uh, my friends from DKMS, my partner, came up and said, Earl, <laughs> I'm sorry, we've run out of time. And I thought, what's going on? They said, no. No, but we have somebody here today that we want you to meet, somebody special. And they brought Christine out from behind the curtains. And I said to Christine, I, I said to her, while well, we're both blubbering, you know, uh, I said, well, how, what do I say? What, I mean, to the woman who saved my life. And that's who I'm talking to. That's who mm -hmm. I'm 